Hello and welcome back to Equity, the Tech Runch podcast where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. It is June 27th, 2022. This is Alex, of course, and it is bright and early. And by that, I mean kind of dark and early out here, actually. It's not the most gorgeous day, but there is lots to talk about. We have chaos. We have markets. We have startups. Get ready. Starting off, as we always do, with a look at the world of money. Over in Asia, stocks are up. In Europe, stocks are mostly up. And here in the U.S., they are set to rise at the open. Also, keep in mind, there is a possible Russian default going on, and there's a kerfuffle in the world of financial technology Twitter. If it's the first since 1918 or the first since 1998, doesn't really matter. It's still bad news, and it still impacts the global economy. Turning to the world of crypto, well, the majors are off a little bit in the last 24 hours, but they are up in the last week, bouncing off some lows, but still far under recent highs. Now, for some context on that, the aggregate crypto market cap, an imperfect metric, I know, is still under the $1 trillion mark this morning. That's far below the roughly $3 trillion that that metric reached in late 2021. And sticking to the crypto front, Coinbase got a hit with a downgrade from Goldman Sachs, lowering its price target from $70 to $45 per share. Keep in mind that Coinbase was worth as much as $369 per share inside the last year, to which we award that a whoops out of 10. Let's talk about some changes in the world of venture capital. Now, TechCrunch reported over the weekend that Backstage Capital has downsized its staff from 12 to 3 people, according to managing partner and founder Arlen Hamilton, who was also a guest on the show back in the day. This round of layoffs comes nearly three months after Backstage Capital narrowed its investment strategy to only participate in follow-on rounds for existing portfolio companies. So that was March. What's changed since then? Well, Arlen Hamilton said on her podcast that she's grateful for the support thus far, but also that she's frustrated with LPs. Why? Well, Backstitch has found itself in kind of a purgatory kind of position, she said. Now, what does that mean? Well, some LPs think the fund is too far along and some don't. Apple thinks the fund is too far along to invest in. We wrote, well, JP Morgan said it wasn't far along enough. That's a really tough place for a fund to find itself, so it's not a huge shock that they are cutting down on staff to lower costs. Now, the overall context for the situation is somewhat sad because, as TechCrunch has reported, funding for black founders is falling in both dollar terms and as a percentage of total venture capital activity. And as we all know and talked about on this show ad nauseum over the years, funding to all women-led teams remains paltry and sad compared to other totals in the world of VC. Still, there is some encouraging news out there if you know where to look for it. According to our own Dominic Midori Davis, she recently profiled Arian Simone for TechCrunch Plus, writing that Simone is the co-founder of Fearless Fund, one of the first funds launched by women of color that aim to only invest in women of color. So while the venture capital industry is slowing down and more diverse founders are taking the brunt of that, well, there are some glimmers of hope if you know where to look. Normally, at this part of the show, we sit back and cycle through a couple of recent funding rounds from hot startups around the world. Today, uh, not really. We have one, and it's actually a little bit old, but I did just recently catch up on it. But here's the state of play. Every week now, TechCrunch does a startup layoffs column, and yet Monday morning startup funding rounds are a bit light. That's how 2022 is shaping up to be very, very different than 2021. Now, Strappy. Strappy is an open source content management system, according to our own Kyle Wickers, and the company recently raised a $31 million Series B led by CRV with capital from Flex Capital, Index Ventures, and angel investors, including former GitHub CEO Nat Friedman. Now, back in the day, Strappy was a mix between a framework for building APIs and a CMS or a content management system. In fact, Strappy, the name of the company, is kind of an abbreviation of the phrase bootstrap your API. 
Anyways, now today, Strapi allows developers to connect and manage different databases, front-end frameworks, and static site generators, and users can run Strapi on a server and connect to the company's admin interface, relying on the front-end to fetch content from Strapi using an API. That's again, according to Kyle Wiggers. So essentially, the company has built a very neat headless CMS of sorts, and it has an open source backend. The company is also building a hosted version of that, which matters because we have seen open source software startups do rather well lately, but each pursue a slightly different path to monetization. So Strapi is one to keep an eye on because it checks a couple boxes that I'm tracking all at once, and I like seeing Strapi. Strapi, see, it's fun, enjoy it. And that's the end of the good news from Startup Land. We do, however, have some drama to bring to you because who doesn't love some drama on a Monday morning? Now, Digital World Acquisition Corp, or DWAC, is merging with the Trump Media and Technology Group, or TMTJ. This is the Trump SPAC deal that is going to take, at least in theory, the Twitter competitor Truth Social onto the public markets. And it is in, let's just say, hot water. The deal had red flags, and those red flags appeared to be metastasizing into a series of investigations. So, I know you don't really want to listen to me summarize and quote from SEC filings, but uh, too bad. That's what we have to do this morning. Anyways, going back in time, according to a recent 8K filing from DWAC that we read from the SEC's website this morning, Digital World has received several document requests and subpoenas from the SEC, seeking various documents and information regarding, among other things, Digital World's due diligence regarding TMTG, communications regarding and due diligence of potential targets other than TMTG, and relationships between and among Digital World and other entities. That's bad. And then it goes on. On June 16th, 2022, Digital World became aware that a federal grand jury sitting in the Southern District of New York has issued subpoenas to each member of Digital World's board of directors. The subpoenas seek certain of the same documents demanded in the above reference SEC subpoenas, blah, 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 blah. And then additionally, on June 24th, 2022, Digital World received a grand jury subpoena with substantially similar requests. And here is the summation of what all that means for this company. And these subpoenas and the underlying investigations by the Department of Justice and the SEC can be expected to delay effectiveness of the registration statement, which could materially delay, materially impede, or prevent the consummation of the business combination. Uh, which to summarize in kind of more vernacular English is, oh shit, we're in trouble. That's where that's at. And uh, perhaps we should have long expected this eventual conclusion to the deal. SPACs are not looking good. And uh, are you shocked that the Trump SPAC is having trouble? I'm not. Welcome to a new section of the show that I'm calling the Chaos Report. Short summaries of wild shit that's going on. And we start today with Three Arrows Capital, or 3AC if you're in the know, a crypto-focused hedge fund that is having a pretty terrible year. Now, it was supposed to repay 15,250 Bitcoins and $350 million worth of the stablecoin USDC to Voyager today. This is essentially a summary. Leverage makes you look like a genius on the way up and a chump on the way down. Anyways, the block reports, as I write to you, that Voyager has sent a default notice to 3AC. This is a developing mess, but one that could be quite bad for a number of important players in the world of crypto and perhaps for the value of crypto assets themselves. Then there's the mess over at BlockFi. BlockFi is a startup that raised $1.3 billion according to Crunchbase, quite a lot of money. And Coinbase counts some 54 investors in the company, so quite a lot of capital has gone in from a number of different sources. That means there's a lot of people at the table who would all like to eat. Now, the company took an emergency loan slash investment from FTX, and you may recall that happening. It was worth about a quarter billion dollars. Now, that deal, you might think, hey, everyone loves it. Turns out, not the case. A leaked call reported by Coindesk says that BlockFi backer Morgan Creek Digital wants to counter the deal, or at least wanted to as of last week, 
as it doesn't put consumer deposits at risk of being taken to repay investors. Coindesk summarizes that as follows, quote, in other words, unless BlockFi went with FTX, its depositors would have had to wait in line behind the new lender to be repaid. Now, obviously, the companies that put money into the troubled crypto concern would rather get paid themselves, and it's not really clear what the absolute latest here is, but it does look like the FTX deal is potentially a coup for FTX and a show for other backers. Wild. In other news, and I missed this last week, Klarna's valuation could fall to just $10 billion from a $15 billion target, which was itself a cut from a $30 billion target after a $50 billion price tag fell through for the international BNPL provider that was valued at around $45 billion last year. What else? Ah, Australian delivery company Milk Run got some of its financials leaked and it still loses quite a lot of money per order. Now, that's not a huge surprise, but I will say losing around $10 per order was more than I expected. That's not close to break even. Oh, and then there's India, which is taking a politically authoritarian turn, if you will, and it's going after Twitter. Intracker reports that, quote, the government of India in 2021 ordered Twitter to take down tweets by the nonprofit Freedom House that discussed declining internet freedom in India. That request was disclosed over the weekend. Here's a tip. If you are going after the organization that is saying you are censoring more and you desire to censor them for saying that, you have entered into Orwell's territory, which is not where you should be as a country, especially one as important as India. Come on. Sorry for being such bad news bears this morning, but that's just kind of what the world looks like. Anyways, if you want more bad news, you can follow Equity. We tweet under the handle EquityPod, and I often retweet that account from my own account, which is at Alex. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday and Thursday because we have a live show this week for the Friday episode. So if you want to come hang out on Twitter spaces, we shall be over there riffing and talking and having a good time on Thursday. Follow the Twitter account. You'll get the updates. We'll see you there. Hugs. Bye.